Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 199, episode three of The Daily Zeitgeist, yeah. a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. That means it's going down tonight. Oh, it's going down. Live show. But before we get to the deets, my name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. I got white thighs. On the mountain do I ride, and I'm hosting the Daily Zeitgeist. That is courtesy of Mitch Wheeler at The Mitch Wheeler. Don't get them confused with the other ones. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! Guess you just got vaxxed today. Damn dog, bet you didn't care if frogs are gay. Something changed, now your sperm is just a waste. Man, I'm gonna get them to pay me. My cum's valuable now, cum's valuable now. Okay, so that's a little thin whizzy. Um, to the tune of anti-vax sperm being the new gold. Shout out to Christy Yamaguchi Main on the Discord for that absurd AKA. That was that was beautiful. Just two days in a row, crushing it. Big Yamaguchi. Mine was supposed to be a wanted, dead, or alive by Bon Jovi. In case people were having trouble putting that together. But, hey, Miles, tonight, 6 Mm p.m., PST, 9 p.m., for all those East Coast night owls, where are you going to be? Because I know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be live streaming our live show. It's an audiovisual extravaganza. We will... Mm -hmm. Riff on ridiculous pictures. Uh, Tom Hanks's pee fetish will come up. Yes, our guest. I'm still talking about it. We'll quiz one of you. I'm gonna dress like the biggest 2000 douchebag I could possibly construct using the thrift stores of LA. And we have special guest Chris Crofton. Oh, so I'm you know he has an interesting relationship to the year 2000 that we yes. will talk about. And if you can't be there live, don't worry. Uh, your ticket gets you access to the video on demand uh, watch it at your leisure but you have to get a ticket so go to momenthouse.com slash the daily zeitgeist it's tonight uh it's gonna be a blast and anything anything to add miles no i mean honestly momenthouse.com slash the daily zeitgeist don't worry if you can't make it get it on demand maybe you're hearing this with just enough time to get your ticket so get it. Mm. okay maybe you're hearing it the day after i think you can still get it but okay but come through Check it out. Come There's going to be something that, I mean, again, we're not going to put it on the podcast. You just got to come see it, baby. Got to do it. Well, Miles, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat uh, by my very first podcast co-host. Uh, he is a brilliant mm-hmm. filmmaker, writer, actor, comedian, and podcaster, of course, who co-founded uh, Small Beans, which the AV Club called one of the best podcast networks, and where you can hear a bunch of the talented people who we worked with at Cracked, hosting shows. He was the head of video at Cracked, starred in, created most of the best videos and podcasts there, and was one of the first really great writers I found when I was working at Cracked. When I was starting that website, he was still just a, a mere boy, a mere lad. <laughs> he is the brilliant and talented Michael Swain! <laughs> Michael Swaim, a.k.a. Tom Hanks' pee fetish, a.k.a. Mike. Sometimes people will hate dipshit works. (laughs) Really, whatever. It is. Oh, my God. The energy I'm bathing in. Thank you so much for that incredible intro. Fabulous to be here. Thanks for coming. So great to have you. 
I mean, if you remember, people who saw the San Francisco show know that they you you were here. Oh, yeah. A little bit of similar commentary on that. We dive yeah. deep into the year 2000, the final year before everything went to crap. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Maybe that time. show, yeah, triggered it all. Who knows? I blame I Vertical Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, we'll even listen to some, some of the jams from that year. Some of them hold up. Just whole albums. We're just going to play whole albums and not speak. And it's kind of, oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll be a lot like Kanye's listening tour where, that he did at the Mercedes-Benz Arena where he just kind of stood there and listened to the album and walked around. Mm-hmm. That's mainly what you'll what you'll be paying for. So what you guys need is like a girls talk collab of all the AKAs as like an album. Oh, just an yeah. uncut journey through <laughs> just AKAs. Like the yeah. Hardest thing to listen to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> girls talk, hit us up if you're not doing Yeah, anything. girls talk. Yeah. I like how you did the whole parent <laughs> treatment on that. What is this? Girls, hey, girls talk. talk. It's girl talk, dad. <laughs> I like The Fishes. That's my favorite band. The jam band, The Fishes. I I, I enjoy The Beatles, but they spell it properly, for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) That's my band. Michael, we are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of things we're talking about. Uh, We're going to check in with schools because school has started in much of these United States. So, you know, kids are bringing COVID home. We'll just look at some stats. We will be shocked and amazed that the FDA approval has not turned out to be enough for anti-vaxxers. I know. We we really had our... Joe Joe Biden said, (laughs) here's the moment you've been waiting for. Yeah. We'll talk about Uber successfully duping voters, but apparently not the courts. We'll look at that million-dollar video game story. Sometimes we fall for some bullshit news stories along with the rest of the mainstream media and the idea that a Super Mario 64 cartridge sold for $1.56 million might have might have been a little suspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will look at the takeouts, chicken sandwich rankings, all of that, plenty more. But first, Michael, you know we like to ask our guests, <laughs> what is something from your search history? All right, uh... You asked for it, so this is actually my not my last non-work-related search. I will say spoiler alert, because this could easily spoil your day. This was searched in total earnestness. How far can gums recede before it's a big problem? That's my most oh, recent. No. That's, that's what I'm Googling out here What's in the these limit? streets. I'll <laughs> tell you the scary fact that pops up is that gums do not heal. So if yeah. you need it, you know. If you ever needed a reason to uh, switch from maybe everyone inha- just inhalants their to edibles with, or touch their gums yeah. with their tongues on this Zoom call, right? right? No yeah. Hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. You know, rush right, get a water pick. I'm 36 now. Things are different. Mm-hmm. Got to Google how far gums can recede and be just assaulted with a host of images that you can never you, un- unsee. Yeah. Airlines <laughs> receding, my gums are receding, my water levels are receding. It's just just yeah. a recession all over. It, everything's dr- falling away from us. <laughs> yeah, and those won't come back, but they can heal. So, And hey, here's the bad news. If your gums recede too far, the surgery they do is they either scrape skin from the roof of your mouth and like patch it all around. Fuck. Yeah. Or, or... They take skin from a cadaver and put it on there. I would, I would go with that. that. That's you like go with the cadaver skin. <laughs> yeah, I just want. Wait, wait, yeah. wait! What is having a dead person's flesh in your mouth 
say that yeah. means fancy to you. Because you're like, who's doing, <laughs> going through all that? Like, if you're broke, you're like, man, my gums are fucked. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm uh, done. And then, and then if you go somewhere with like real, you know, procedures are like, well, we can graft on cadaver gums onto you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah, it's like coach class Dick Cheney. Like, you know how he got to steal somebody's heart. Right. That's that's what I'm looking <laughs> for. Just a healthy man's <laughs> gums in my mouth. Get in there. Yeah, so it was a real dark rabbit hole. I yeah. may have, I may have priced some dentures just to see what I have in store, you know, if it goes the wrong way. Oh, yeah. But I'm here to say, eat your weed, kids. Eat it. Yeah. Just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so smoking it causes gum recession? I mean... When you smoke like I smoke. <laughs> if you smoke like I smoke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, like your gums day. are basically. I, my yeah, gums are all the way back. <laughs> For about 20 years, I, I've been smoking weed as if every time it leaves my system, I forget what it feels like and I got to check. That's my right. MO. <laughs> so I'll be like, a second? Is it not still, high. Yeah, does it still <laughs> feel like that? Uh, yeah, it does. My gums yes, look weird. Yes, yes. It must be the weed. <laughs> oh, shit, I got to go get some cat food. Better get a, just a quick pipe hit real quick. All exactly. right. Mm-hmm. The pet store is infinitely more interesting. Eases the uh, so every social interaction of every strain, <laughs> except this one, of course. Naturally, I've been sober for seventy-two hours leading to this because the daily zeitgeist is so. Important. You come in dry, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> we make sure everybody has seventy-two hours of sobriety and at least three hours in a sensory deprivation tank before yeah. we hit record. It's uh, the only thing we'll allow. Yeah, the blood. You guys took a lot of blood. It left me woozy, but. <laughs> You hey, give me the three I days said, to recover. I said, don't tell Jack about that. Right? <laughs> okay. We took the blood, but then we put in blood from our younger uh, employees. So, oh, you have a yes. blood boy? Great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have so a nice. blood boy. What is something you think is overrated? I wanted to ask, how many times have people said Marvel on this show in the overrated slot? Mm, not uh, often. Are people yeah, still into it? Because I no, been... not that. Yeah, I think it's just it's it's not like a constant thing. I think it, more than like overrated. Sometimes you're just like, I don't, I don't know it. I don't. There's another. thing. Oh, I see. There's so I, having been steeped for work in pop culture like my entire life, I mm-hmm. just want us to find a new toy. So I'm gonna give the slot to Marvel fatigue because uh, mm. honestly, I feel such strong Marvel fatigue that I had assumed it had come up on the show many, many times by now. But I guess people are just dumb and wrong. Well, well, I think the difference is Jack and I are a unique blend of out of touch with the MCU. <laughs> so we don't experience <laughs> right. the fatigue because we already, I, w- I already experienced fatigue when like a ninth Thor film came out. Like, in uh, yeah, two days, when and she I was follow? Like, I don't, I can't and also, the like, my one pace was where it got good, bro. <laughs> my pace at watching films too is like super slow. Like, I'm a turtle when it comes to watching new movies. So, like, I don't also have the same like media intake, you know, pace that a lot of other people do. So, that's why my I'm appetite for Marvel stops at movies. And even then, I am treating Avengers Endgame like it's a Russian novel. I, I'm halfway through it and oh, haven't, wow. like, yeah, I just like stopped because I couldn't. It was just too dense for you. <laughs> too dense, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I just didn't didn't have the time. So my my like uh, Disney Plus is halfway through on Marvel Endgame. Oh, so it's like but a, I think I have an idea of what happens. Treating it like uh, Infinity Stones, jest essentially. Yes, exactly. <laughs> nice. Hey, yeah, right. it's a uh, it's twofold because I'm not just sick of the formula, but I am sick of the formula. But it's also like 
uh, working in the industry, it's a weird black hole that sucks up every like young independent director who has a very unique voice and just turns them into like, hey, we'll give you a Marvel thing or we'll give you a Jurassic World. And right. uh, I'm sick of it. It's overrated. Can you handle it? Can you handle it? Yeah. The school to Marvel pipeline needs to be dismantled. Right. Or the sunset or the Sundance. <laughs> the USC darling. to Marvel pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> right. The Chapman yeah, Sundance Film Indie School. <laughs> yeah. Marvel uh, pipeline. But you, so for you, it's more just like you've gotten your fill and now you're just like, I would like something different now. Like you, for you, you just feel like it's worn thin and now you, but you do have the appetite for something. It's just something different. I have an, a limitless. That's why the only reason I think it's okay for me to knock it is I'm their person. Like I have a limitless appetite for wacky, right. colorful, imaginative. We're going to go into space and punch this purple guy. Like I'm on yes, board. Yes. yes. <laughs> but every, uh, every one just feels like it's made from the pieces of the previous one in the way where, I mean, you can get into how these movies are made. They do previs on like the major effects shots years before they bring the writers on. So the mm. writers are like stringing together. They're like, well, we know a giant thing has to fall out of the sky and we know she has to parachute in Act 3 and then they'll write Black Widow around it. And I just, it's oh, not... Oh, interesting. Oh, well. It's only a good system that. for getting one kind of movie and I think we're seeing that. So right. you've watched them all because that has been... I do watch uh, them all for work. Okay. Yes, indeed. Okay. And what, did you watch uh, Suicide Squad? The Suicide Squad, the new one? The new one, yeah. The right. Suicide I don't mean to be pedantic, yeah. Yeah, this is where I'm, man, so I'm going to get a lot of flack for, if we're really going deep on overrated, all the movies everyone likes right now are overrated. The Suicide <laughs> okay. Squad sucked. The Green Knight sucked. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Oh, really? All, I thought every this was highly anticipated. Every movie everyone likes is is bad. And you're all, you all just have, your taste is blunted from the pandemic, is my opinion. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Movies okay. are underperforming. TV is overperforming right now. Just go watch yeah. a series. Because now, like, what is it? What is that one? Nine Total Strangers or nine the Nicole Kidman Hulu thing? I don't even know it, but it's great. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Every, they everyone, it, every show I hear about, they're like, Mayor of Easttown. I'm like, I never heard of it. Sounds phenomenal. Right. Yeah. It's like Nine Perfect Strangers is, like they said, was doing better numbers than uh, The Handmaid's Tale for Hulu. Oh, boy. Wow. People like people were like this just terrible timing because White Lotus came out and it's like a similar ish vibe in that like people are in paradise and weird things are happening. But it could also just be one of those things where it's like White Lotus got people in the mood to just continue to binge on this shit. So, you know, a less talent in a tropical environment being trippy. Do you so you are into TV? What's a TV show you're into? Patriots, the last TV show I love, but that's like 12 years old now, so I got to stop saying that. On Prime? Yeah, I rewatched, Prime. I'm rewatching I think... Sopranos, uh, yeah. you know, the classics. I feel like I've officially left pop culture's key demographic, and I went out with shit like Deadwood, The Wire, Patriot yeah. was on the tail end. Nothing's really wowed me. There's another one I'll tell you is way overrated. Queen's Gambit sucked. <laughs> I think all these things suck. Or it's me and I'm wrong and I'm just becoming the guy who's like, culture stopped for me in 20, 2015 and that's right. it. No good albums after that. Yeah, there's yeah. still a ton of stuff I'm excited for. Like Last Night in Soho, the new Edgar Wright. I mean, I expect to blow me away. And uh, I'll say in the world of video games, I'm much more excited. There's a bunch of cool sure. stuff happening over on that side. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Tiger King was definitely one of those things that when you look back on it, 
didn't really make sense how obsessed everyone was about it. And I think Queen's Gambit, just anything that's king or queen related yeah. in title, that that was like a hack they figured out yeah. somehow. And we were all just super into it. Right. Atlanta comes to mind as like an all-time great show that's not too recent. Old. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's something you think is underrated? Underrated. Well, speaking of the Daily Zeitgeist, yeah. Oh, there it is. Wow. I'm going to say Thank German you. speakers speaking English because I'm producing uh, this big video game convention right now called Gamescom that comes out of Cologne, Germany. And so all the contacts I work with are fine German folks. And man, there is just something so effortlessly like sensual about Anything they say, like, uh, what do you think is the hype around this game? Is it much anticipated? <laughs> Have you seen lots of hype on your social medias? And I'm like, the hype is in my heart because I love the sounds I'm hearing right now. <laughs> and I know none of them will listen to this podcast so I can make fun of their accents. But man, yeah, being I got to recommend it. If you have the opportunity to be <laughs> an English speaker in a room of 25 German people, or speaking yeah. English at you, it's like a it's like a foam party, yeah. of sound. <laughs> so you I just think like the German that accents, nice even delivery. I think the like the bubbly, like the bounciness of the German accent. I think German's an underrated, like the actual sound of the language. People right. are always going Italian, French. I think German sounds really nice. Mm. Mm. It's yeah, because I think people just give it credit like credit it with being like kind of stark and you know sprockets like this is yeah um, right sprockets yes you know, this is the part sprockets of sprockets Deutsch. but yeah there there are some really expressive mostly there are expressive german speakers yeah well they're yeah if they're speaking their native tongue there tend to be a lot of glottal stops and a lot of consonants but you just got to get them speaking english baby yeah that's, yeah. hey hey, that's, hey knock that off speak some english honey yeah i'll speak tell you english. that's what's underrated forcing all germans english. to speak english yeah. yeah i hear you i hear you captain america <laughs> making those german pow's speak old yankee talk to you that's how you dunk on them I think, yeah, it's funny because you talk about like the bounciness, like I have a few German speakers that I know who I speak with and there is like this lightness to Lifting. like the, inflic the inflections that like come mm -hmm. out of seemingly out of note, like you're, oh, okay, I, I like what you did there. But there's also just like, they're so even though too, like there's not a lot of, whoa, whoa, whoa. like it's not just that, it's just like you get little, mm -hmm, and little valleys and hills and things like this. And you're just like, mm, this is poetic. Yeah, we might I, have to cut this whole section out because I'm <laughs> I don't want people to realize that my dear daily zeitgeist at the top of this is not accurate to the real German people. So <laughs> well, I, we might have to cut all of this. Well, yeah, you give it you give it sort of an Austrian twist. I think you can hear the dialect work that you've been doing. On yeah, that. yeah, I yeah. put a lot of <laughs> effort. It's more of a Viennese scream is what we call mm -hmm. it. Mm hmm. Are, is there any chance you're speaking with like particularly horny German people in your? Well, if the <laughs> like group about I'm to pop off, like honestly, that. if the group I'm well, they can all get it. First of all, these executives <laughs> can all get it. But no, <laughs> I would say uh, if the 25 folks that I'm talking to are a representative sample of the culture of Germany, they're mm. less emotionally demonstrative than like we'll be in a you know a Zoom conference and someone will deploy. An objectively not good joke, but everyone on the American side will laugh like it's a dad joke, like, ah, social lubricant, uh, right. you made a joke. And the Germans will just not have it. You know, they'll right. just sit, sit mm -hmm. straight forward, eyes locked, 
being like, "That's great." That was a joke. Oh, great! I understand. But <laughs> and next, I didn't laugh because it obviously. wasn't funny. Right. Okay. Next. Yeah. Next. Topic. <laughs> I'm efficient. Shout out to Germans. All right. Let's take a quick break, and we will be right back. And we're back. And so are schools around yeah. this country. And, you know, it's a it's a challenging time for teachers, for school administrators and for students uh, who have to wear masks. But the, the anti-vaxxers among us are not helping. And there was a 1,893 students and staff reported to have contracted COVID during the first week of school in yeah. L.A. Yeah. And that's because a parent group is trying to create their own mechanism for tracking stuff because there's not a lot of good data out there for parents to get to. And even before that, there was a lot of infections before the school year started. And then you look at places like Oklahoma where there's straight, you know, there's like no mask mandates there. There's this whole school district just had to shut down for two weeks. And we're only seeing the same thing over whenever I just search schools COVID. It's just always like the same theme of like, oh, huge outbreak here got to go remote or like a school like or a county just being like you know what let's just keep going remote till we figure it out that's like in responsible places but overall we're just seeing this combination of the delta variant and no masks and bringing kids together spelling not you know what every epidemiologist was like eh, that's you know this isn't a good idea not a good idea and now we're seeing like more reports too of like breakthrough covid infections with kids bringing covid home from school as right. being like, oh, yeah, well, it's not affecting the child as much. But then they're around all their family members, even if they're vaccinated, just getting like not hospitalized levels of COVID. But they're like, oh, it felt like the worst sinus cold I've ever had, things like that. And this one uh, physician said, quote, time and again, we're seeing kids return to school and then come home either after an exposure or sick themselves. The virus sheds for a couple of days before the patient even has sim symptoms and entire families are suddenly exposed. So yeah. it's. What the is, the whole like period where it's communicable but like not detectable symptomatic right. and not even detectable that was the thing that like surprised me when i was like dealing with an exposure was they were like oh no we got to test it like between 7 and 10 days to make sure that we actually will be able to detect it so it just seems like there's a lot of sloppiness with the testing like i really think increasingly as we have access to the vaccine, like that needs to be mandated and not like giving people the out of like giving a test from 72 hours prior or whatever. Mm -hmm. In my medical, my expert medical opinion. Thank you so much for that. Yes. But that does seem <laughs> to be the the direction things are headed. And or find a way to like fundamentally shift to educating our children remotely. Like that seems like I don't know what the system is because I understand parents who are like, look, my kids got to get the fuck out of here for a second. Right. Um, like we can't just be condensed into the housing that society has allotted us all the time. So I, I don't know what that system is, but I, it seems to me that if we're going to get out of many of the problems we face right now globally, there have to be fundamental societal changes that of a historic nature like that we'll look back on and be like school used to be a thing that was a building you did it like this now right. school's not that it's whatever like i don't know what the answer is or i would not be a comedian but <laughs> there's got to be a way we have the internet like there's got to be a way to remotely like just shift that 
yeah, Burton, or just like different arena schooling. <laughs> just like, yo, you're outdoors, <laughs> yeah. pack 10, 10K kids in here. We're getting these first graders fucking educated. Just like today. a yeah, 10-foot radius around you. You're in a learning yeah, pod. I mean, it, it's, all, it's all very difficult. And yeah, like to your point, we need hardcore societal change to address a lot of these situations. And we're dealing with people who are like, I won't put cloth on my face for a little bit. Or we just simply all have to do one simple thing for a month or whatever. But that's, it's yeah. like, it's just no, you know. Yeah, it's pretty hard <laughs> to get signups for that. <laughs> yeah. that It is interesting that, like, I could see school, like, the fact that kids all get together in the same, like, small room, get each other sick, come home and get their parents sick. Like, that's just a part of school like that's just every parent knows like that happens and like when somebody's out with a flu people mm-hmm. are like oh their kid went back to school like that has been a thing forever so i could see some eventual evolution to a non-in-person learning but i also just know in talking to you know family members who are teachers that it is hellish to try and teach kids uh, right via over yeah. zoom and it's also like that's the other thing is like well like parents are stressed like the effect on kids is like they just have more anxiety and depression and like right. they just don't yeah. get to do all these things like fucking run around with other kids like you know like, right right and that's so vital and i i look back and i'm like oh shit like that when i was just throwing tennis balls at you know Corey's head that's yeah. how i was you know Sting being ball. a happy kid yeah yeah wobble the best yeah you know, or the uh, uh did you have the trees that yielded the little spike balls that were just made for eight year olds oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah those are great oh, yeah we collect those in my household what do you uh, call currently them? doesn't have what do you just call them spiky oh, balls I, we just call yeah, them spiky, spiky balls. balls yeah and my uh five-year-old pointed out that they look exactly like the news depiction of the coronavirus oh. yeah there's wow. like green coronavirus balls wait well yeah like even fucking call I'm like, oh, for balls. real? I had no idea. Like, what tree is that? Yeah, yeah what we've is it just been up? doing this. Dude, you know, spiky balls. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess they are, they're wondering, it's one of likely, it's a buckeye, a horse chestnut, a sweet gum tree. Okay, mm. whatever. They're sticky balls. I like, I like, sp- I like spiky, spiky balls. balls. Yeah. yeah, forget it. I mean, I'm going to call them COVIDs now, but yeah, it does just highlight, like you're saying, Jack, yeah, the stakes are just higher with something like COVID, which he then brings up, what we really need to be doing on top of all this stuff is the infrastructure required to not have another pandemic five years from now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were definitely upstream, like, things that happened or didn't happen that allowed COVID to balloon out of control. And I question whether we're even, like, getting everything shored up so that that doesn't happen again, because we're so busy worrying about are we ever going to reach herd immunity? Are we ever going to reach herd immunity? Man, I just knock on wood that there's not like, I don't know, like Flovid or Brovid coming right. you know, next summer. Flovid actually sounds fun. Flovid sounds That's... very mucusy. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, the or one that. from hell, Crovid. Oh, no. <laughs> Crovid's actually, back for revenge. That sounds like a like pastry concoction of some sort. Like oh, a yeah. cronut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it would be great if we learned our lesson from, like, experiences and news stories, but, like, we didn't even learn to get more hospital beds. Like, we're still dealing with a hospital bed shortage since the first, like, handful of waves of the of the vaccine, or yeah. of the uh, Cause what, coronavirus. Why, why spend preemptively? 
because right. you don't know if it's going to happen. Then I just wasted a bunch of money on all this stuff. No, yeah. no. And even if yeah, it, we're we just need like, it in two years time, that's a bunk investment. It's like we're so fun. grafted on to just like whatever is profitable that we, first of all, won't shut things down because we need to keep the stores and the businesses open. And then we just never spend money preemptively. So that's yeah, cool. It's called socialism, dude. Low right. overhead. <laughs> Low overhead till the wheels fall off. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk uh, the Pfizer vaccine, which got the FDA approval yesterday mm-hmm. or two days ago. Joseph Biden came out and was like, all right. So you guys who said you weren't doing the thing now, you now you got to do it because FDA. We, boom. It's got FDA. the seal on. What's your excuse now? And shockingly, the people who were, you know, cycling between, you know, juggling 12 different excuses. Once this one was uh, taken away, they just uh, went with the 11 others that they've come up with. Yeah. You just look a quick survey of the loud people who are against vaccines like Lil RFK, Robert F. uh, Kennedy. He, Lil Baby RFK is out here saying, quote, they know they can't win this argument on the science. Huh? And that's why they had to abolish the public process and independent oversight. Okay, let's check in with dumb Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, the senator. He said, quote, I see no need to rush the FDA approval process for any of the three COVID-19 vaccines. Expediting the process appears to only serve the political purpose of imposing and enforcing vaccine mandates. And finally, majorly tainted Queen or Marjorie Taylor Greene said, quote, the FDA sped it up. And I wonder, was it Joe Biden himself making that call to approve the Pfizer vaccine that now in studies is showing only 40 percent effectiveness? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's no that it, it was never for, for for many of these people. It was never about the FDA. It was just about being able to say something that everyone could agree that wasn't true and using that to bolster their larger argument, which is like against all kinds of science. FDA approval along with it. Right. Is that that's what a lot of people are pushing back because now it gives employers and schools and federal agencies the power to greenlight vaccine requirements. And now like it's like, well, see, you just did that so you can you can make people do it to keep the everyone safer. Right. Do you have an impression of whether it seems to me like the anti-COVID vaccine people are a larger group than just anti-vaxxers generally? remember back in the day, anti-vaxxer didn't refer to one particular vaccine. It was just people who, like, believed Jenna McCarthy. I I think a lot of those people very easily just rolled over. Yeah, I know people who started off as, like, purely, like, you know, those MRSA or whatever the MM, what what are all the, what's that schedule, those first uh, panel of vaccines you get hit with? I don't know. Oh, MMR, measles, mumps, rubella. That one, they're like, no, I'm never doing that. They do yeah. the second this COVID shit started out, they they were like, yeah, throw that one in there, too. Yep. Yeah. All right. It's just uh, this is a conspiracy that's hard for me to break down because I don't even understand what they think. Is it like some big mask benefiting off mask sales? Like how in what universe is it beneficial to the cabal or like the Illuminati to tank the entire global economy and send everyone inside and shut everything down to sell some sweet vaccines? See, like, like it doesn't make right. any sense. And it's hard because you can you can corner somebody with that and be like, this would be the least mm-hmm. elegant version of like global control if you're Absolutely. doing it and you were that cynical. Like this isn't even moving at the speed you would need to for like massive 
the kind of wealth distribution that you'd get from like a war or something. Right. There's so many easier ways. <laughs> check check that out. Why don't you get the military industrial complex and get back to me? But let's talk vaccines real quick, because then it'll be something like, because you'll be with someone who's savvy and they go, no, 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 I don't think that's what it is. But it's just that like, you know, these drug companies, man, like they put stuff out there and it hurts people. It's not just vaccines. It's like other stuff. Look at Johnson and Johnson with like the the baby powder and stuff and what happened there like these. So they use. So on some level, that's why I try and figure it's out. Like, are you just using yeah. a lot of true things because you're scared or. Yeah. But then when you start being like, check out, you know, the whole thing about the great culling of the herd that the Illuminati like, well, mm, this is yeah. that. So but it's hard to I tell. do think the mainstream thing is like, well, this this was a big pandemic and therefore they made like rash decisions. They're like doing things in a too rushed way. And doctors are just telling us to get a something that could be dangerous to us before they recognize it because they just want to like cover their ass from the from the covid thing or whatever. That seems to be the one that has bled over to like people who probably weren't anti-vaxxers in the first place. Right. And yeah, I mean, with all this, right, we had Dr. Fauci also on Tuesday saying, hey, you know, if we get a significant amount of people vaccinated, we might have this thing under control in the spring. And like, I'm like, oh, fuck, Tony, you are (laughs) in a fucking fantasy world. And I love you to death, man. I love you to death because you're trying to incentivize it like other people like, hey, if you take your medicine, we can go to Disneyland in the spring. That doesn't and that's just not working. People don't aren't that's not their calculus anymore. And you're just like it. That idea completely ignores people like Ron Johnson who are like, yo, I'm willing to die to make a fuck to own the libs. And I'm, I might regret it at the very last minute, but I will bluster my way to near death. <laughs> to if my I early to. grave. Yeah, yeah, many have. It's right. Like it's yeah. A and bunch of these people have been taken out. Dr. Uh, Peter Hotez, he said, quote, I do, I do think there will be a modest increase because of the authorization from the FDA. But look, we have a long way to go to fill this gap. I think having the full approval will certainly convince some, but it's just one of a dozen fake talking points put out there by the disinformation campaign. And I think a number of people are just going to revert to one of those other ones. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating. And I I do think like even though the Fauci thing is seems very like pie in the sky and unrealistic, I'm coming around to being like a little bit more sympathetic with just like recognizing that nobody knows what the fuck to do here like this is yeah. this is a massive problem it's that, gonna go um, down hard no matter which way like absolutely no, yeah. yeah we're just trying a bunch of shit i'm like it's the, more just like i feel bad for fauci because like he keeps trying this version of it and right the and every hopeful, time and then it was like and then people are gonna be like he said it was gonna be gone by the spring and you're yeah. like, yeah, motherfucker, if, 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 <laughs> it's right. like, in the sixties, the hippies used to say, what if they threw a war and no one came? Well, guess what? People <laughs> always show up to wars. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. That is a nice thought. It theoretically makes sense. It just doesn't ever happen that way. Like I always said that they should pitch flu shots as being the like ethical thing to do because people don't realize that even if you don't get the flu very often, by getting the flu shot, you make it less likely that you're going to, like, kill a elderly person or, like, a baby that you come into contact with. And that's that seems to be kind of what they did with the messaging around this vaccine. And it was a complete fucking fail. Like, people were like, I don't give a shit about that. I don't care about, right. you know, like, like that just shit about my own mom. Yeah. That, uh, that, so 
you know, my best guess was wrong. So I'll just own that. But it's it just seems like trying to win the argument is not the thing that is succeeding. I think having making people get the vaccine in order to continue to live comfortable lives is probably the only way around this. That said, but let's be real, (laughs) they can live. They they can do that. They can. They're not going to be arrested or have their kids taken away because they're not going to take the vaccine. Although, like, that's what they're trying to make it seem like. And uh, like the whole thing is this is what the rest of the society is saying. And based on the medical research, like this is what has to be done to help this community, this world that we live in, because it's not just the the U.S. It's everywhere. And on top of it, even when we're talking about, well, you're going to say boosters and shit. Well, the World Health Organization is like, yo, do not do anything until at least September if you can. Because, you know, when you look at sort of the the, the rest of the, the planet, especially in places where the incomes are not high, we're talking under 2% of that, of that global population is vaccinated. And we're like, yo, get someone a third one. And then on top of it, we have people who are laughing off the first, first dose. So right. it's just a very fucked up situation. And we'll, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, luckily, the vaccine numbers have slowly been going up because I think on some level, people realize other people are getting hurt. But will we yeah. get to that number? Mm. As sad as it is, I think the thing that might convince people around the edges is like being a devout follower of some like right wing pundit who then gets yeah. COVID and dies. That would be one of the few things if I put my mind in their like yeah. mind space that I'd be like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe, uh, even if I still think the vaccine's risky, maybe the risk outweigh, you know, maybe you so got this is an example I, of someone I, tough talking and it not working out. Yeah. yeah, there's this guy, Phil Valentine, a conservative talk radio host in Tennessee who's probably has an audience 10 times the size of this show who was openly vaccine-skeptic. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, just massive. Like, probably very popular, very influential, was vaccine-skeptical, vaccine you know, thrown out all the, all the common talking points and Huge. then caught COVID in early July, changed his tune through public statements made by his family, but I don't think those were aired on his radio show. And then he died a couple of days ago. And according to his brother, his like number one concern as he was dying was that he had caused anyone to not get the vaccine. So, you know, that's not just evidence the vaccine works. That's a horrible way to die, realizing you've like really harmed a bunch of people who trusted you. But like when you go to his website, it doesn't contain any of this information or a change of pace. His last blog post was a screed against global warming that claims that climate change said we'd never see snow again. So it's from back when it was snowing. Yeah. And there, that's that's been a thing with people who conservatives who have passed away who are like rah, rah on anti-vax stuff is like on their obits, they don't say the cause of death or in the like saying if they're announcing that someone has passed away, they'll, they won't talk about the cause of death or sometimes trying to make sure that the death certificate doesn't say COVID. So that's that feels like in cases like this where somebody who has you know, used the all the things that are evil about social media to get their like harmful message in front of people and then, you know, changes their mind, changes the message they want to get out and dies as a result of the previous message. That seems like one of those things that like Facebook and like all the social networks should be making sure everyone who ever shared a post like by this guy like sees like that. Like, I yeah. I don't understand why we're not holding them to a higher standard of just like, 
yeah, do use like the immense power. I'm sure it's because they're trying to claim they don't have this immense power, but said the immense power to like brainwash you into buying a fucking one wheel skateboard. Right. I mean, those are pretty cool though. I mean, yeah, they're pretty sick, dude. Have you seen the one that goes off road? No, what, skate, dude? I don't even skate, dude. I don't even skate. Actually, Justin, cut the previous section. Let's just uh, talk about the skateboard, um, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> dude. So, what? Wait, what's what's the Instagram account that is? All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back, and. You know, last November, we covered uh, Prop 22, which was where gig economy-driven companies, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Instacart, invested $200 million mm-hmm. into propaganda that basically made it seem as though this proposition was going to harm employees, uh, not employees, by the way, uh, contractors who worked for them. No, no, it was going to benefit them. Oh, okay. I don't know which whether it was yes or no, but yeah, that it was going to made it seem as though it was going to benefit them, and it, it succeeded because the employee, the the labor forces and like organization organizational forces did not have two hundred million dollars to spend on this, and it's one of those things that pe- that's complicated. Like I right. said, I didn't even that's know which was yes or no. You didn't yeah. even yeah, know exactly. which one was the bad one. Yeah. yeah. Ballot initiatives, man, are the bread and butter of California. Rich people can just be like, yo, dude, we'll get these signatures and we'll fucking make this a law. Watch yeah. this shit. They want to fucking fine us. We'll trick voters into fucking owning the drivers. And that's what it was. They The whole tone of it was like, oh, my God, if you ask anyone who drives Uber or Lyft, they're dying to be independent contractors. I mean, they're dying from being independent contractors because we won't get <laughs> no, the wait, benefits. Miles, and sh- sh- I mean, they are they love Prop 20. Oh, my God, they love it. They love it. They love it. And, like, right. they would do shit, like, do these, like, you know, paid sort of spokespeople who, were like, have worked Uber or whatever to give a quote. And they show this mother, Rekisha from Pasadena, says, it allows me to take care for my daughter and her special needs while making extra money that's needed. And already trying to sort of, you know, frame it of, like, oh, look, look at who you're helping. You know, like, this is what it is. And this is the tremendous benefit that will that will be afforded to these drivers when they are misclassified as independent contractors and not employees of fucking Uber or Lyft or Instacart or Postmates. And because of it, the all the deceptive marketing fucking worked and people were like, oh, great. And it, what it did was just completely offer drivers fuck all in the way of any kind of collective bargaining power benefits and things like that. But luckily, a lawsuit was filed by the SEIU, Service Employees International Union, and three drivers, and it's gained traction in a California Superior Court where a judge, he just said, did you guys read this shit? This is unenforceable. This is unconstitutional. What the fuck? What is this? So the judge said that Prop 22 appears to, quote, only protect economic interests of gig companies. Uh, what he says is he points to a part of Prop 22 that, quote, required a seven-eighths legislative majority to alter the proposition. But even then, only with the approval of the gig company drafters. So there was no way to alter this. It's like, OK, right. first get to an impossible majority. And then from there, then you got to get them to agree to it. And then you can change it. And so he goes on to say, 
A prohibition on legislation authorizing collective bargaining by app-based drivers does not promote the right to work as an independent contractor, nor does it protect work flexibility, nor does it provide minimum workplace safety and pay standards for those workers. It appears those are the, like, all of those are the points that they use to sell the Yes, product. better safety, better standards. He says, and then he right. goes on to say, quote, it appears only to protect the economic interests of the network companies and having a divided, ununionized workforce, which is not a stated legal goal of this legislation. <laughs> I huh. love that Miles' read is giving the judge like a confused, slightly befuddled aspect. Like, <laughs> yeah. wait a minute. Aww. You exploited them, but you said you weren't going to? Oh, no. <laughs> it's really odd. <laughs> this ain't it. No, but no. that's this feels like so revolutionary and like unprecedented to me for a judge to be like, no, this is clearly what you're doing. Like, we see what you're doing. We know what you're doing. And like, right. we can look at how the law has in effect worked once it was passed. Like, so fuck you like no no way there's a point where that becomes like union busting right like it's not legal to keep people from unionizing i don't think right yeah yeah then the the last thing they want is to again have workers be able to you know collectively figure out what's best for themselves or have any negotiating power or you know be able to have sick days and things like that so you're not driving when you're sick and possibly making other people ill or whatever, like just it's 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 inhumane. Like it's it, there's no and most people who really get caught up in it too. Depending on where you drive, it's sometimes it's just barely enough to break even or just make a little bit more money. And it's like, what is this all for? And again, that's but that's been the whole business model of Uber. They've been just deficit spending and promising investors like, nah, dude, we're gonna do just wait till these fucking profits come through, doggy. It's going to be fucking sick. And uh, apparently part of their whole strategy was, you know, underpaying drivers and having these like artificially low prices to lure riders in. And they've sunk $30 billion in the last six years in pursuit of all this shit, the Uber specifically. Wow. And you look at the state of like similar bills in other states, they're like, that's coming up with much heavier opposition than Prop 22 did. So in a way, like it's kind of like a TikTok on like what what's going to happen here with these companies? Are they going to implode? Are they going to figure it out? Because even offering two hundred fifty million dollar bonuses hasn't been like really enough to move the needle to get drivers to come back. Wow! And they the whole like uh, the whole ploy seems to be we pass the savings on to you. But I don't know if you've used DoorDash lately, but you can order like a six dollar hot dog and it's cost. Twenty-eight fifty to get delivered. So, and, right. and uh, you guarantee that's not going to the driver unless you. I love that you'll hit uh, in the tip section. Other, if you put too much in there, it won't let you. Like, there's an arbitrary cap on how much you can tip a DoorDash. They're like, driver. whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. hold on here. Hold They're on, like, you, well, if you have that much fuck. money, we'll raise the fees. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. you got it like that, Swaim. Okay. Uh, let, I mean, let me offer you a new. A, there was a, a venue fee we weren't aware of. Yeah. <laughs> the capitalists from the start have been saying this is like unsustainable, that they were basically operating at such an incredible loss, like from the start, and that they were eventually going to do like a bait and switch. And the question would be like whether people would still pay these incredibly high prices. And I think we're in that phase in a lot of places, in a lot of cases. And now, or my question is like, we've also become dependent on that infrastructurally. I do like the idea of an Uber Lyft being available is a product category that people want now in their minds. And uh, so my question is like, when this cycle fulfills itself in these companies, let's say crash and burn, does the next company to fill that gap 
do anything different or do they run the same game plan and they last 12 years and then they crash and burn? Because I could see it going either way. I mean, I feel yeah. like you have to at least you have to pivot to the idea of like we pair pe- we pay people fairly. Like, that's, yeah. I feel like the only shot that you have to at least arrive at a place you can be upfront with people like, look, it's not as cheap. But here's the deal. Like, this is the only way we can pay people to, to like have a good life and yeah. have some kind of service. It may cost a little bit more. It smells less like cigarettes than a normal cab. I don't know. Is that still cool? Like, you know, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're wary about paying more to secure the future of the globe, I got bad news about like coffee and meat and eventually mm-hmm. water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Pick Nobody was killed uh, procuring this bottle of water will eventually be a That's the a name of the water to... brand. Yeah. <laughs> no one killed. No, yeah. ki- no kill water. Oh, my God. All right. Let's talk uh, video games to correct a story that we got wrong. I think a lot of people got wrong. Well, it's um, not that we got it wrong. It's that there's, there's shit going on. Hey, as an IGN that. representative, I can say we covered it loud and proud. It turned out to be bullshit. So we're right there. Well, with what it. do you mean by that? Like more than a deception, more than like something that didn't happen. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. we're okay, talking about like artificial... a mythical yeah, a myth yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. perpetuated by. Yeah. We we didn't get it wrong, given the information we had at the time. We're Famously, still we've never, ne- we've been a hunt- batting at 1,000 when yeah. it comes to accuracy. We've been asking people. <laughs> we we put it out there, and but come debate me, okay? Debate me on <laughs> anything I've said me, on this show. Uh, no. <laughs> so there's been, like a month or two ago, we discussed the auctioning of a, like two different video game cartridges that fetched what seemed like too much money for a video game cartridge and made us all feel like shit for having thrown away. This is something that almost everybody in America owned at one point yeah, or another. Like, oh, I should have kept the wrapping on. Oh, yeah. worth 1.56 million for that Super Mario 64 unboxed. Oh, 2 million for an unopened Super Mario on NES. Oh. But yeah, as you like, point out, like in the grand scheme of the history of gaming, Mario 64 is not even that old, and we all owned that game. So right, it, right. it is weird. We should have known. Like, why would it go for that? Right, because everyone's like, it's not even like the first appearance of a character. Like, you know, like a Donkey Kong, if you're really into Mario, like you could have you could have peeped him over there. Like, is it or like a Zelda game you think would be more in demand and things like that? But no, this 64 cartridge sold for 1.56 million. And a lot of investors were like, go buckle up, hold on for dear life, because these video games are the new anti-vaxxer come. Uh, you're going to get rich <laughs> off of it. And this journalist named Carl Jobst did an investigation and essentially found that these prices seemed like they were manipulated an awful yeah. lot. And it yeah. turns out it was a scheme that involved the company that grades the games. Like when they bring in, they, they're like, okay, this is about a 100K game or whatever. They're called WATA and the auction house Heritage Auctions. And he said that what happened was the previous record holder in, video, in the video game world was Super Mario Brothers that was graded by this company, WADA, for $100,000. And then he notes that this copy was allegedly bought by the guy who started the auction house and like two other people who were collectors and essentially published. Then this heritage auction house is like, hey, man, I just got to let you know, we got this record smashing sale of a Super Mario game. And also, you know, come check out. Look at all the look at the upper trajectory of all these games like this shit ain't slowing down anyway. So come through. We might have this uh, up for auction and maybe it'll be worth more since like, you know, now it's at the bottom is 100K and go. 
Right. That's some Mike Richard shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Just controlling things from behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah. I mean, one of the guys from the great the grading house was going on like pawn stars and like news shows to fucking tout like the rising value of these retro cartridges. And just right. to keep the fucking energy up to have more news stories. We're like, oh, my God, this is the new thing. Fascinating. But, like the product is the market itself. Like trying to convince rich people. Oh, yeah. This is a thing rich people do and buy. You should right. do and buy this. Yeah, it's so weird. Hey, sell your grandma's house and go in on a third of a video game with someone. So did did they do the same thing with the 1.56 million? Or were the people who spent the 1.56 million just like fooled by these stories? I, I I don't I don't know specific about those ones, but essentially what they're saying is like this is a pattern that the grading house and the auction house were using to be like, like, like it's, right. it's a runaway train. And that could be. But it seems like that would maybe be a little too egregious at this point when all they might need is like that origin sale to like set this whole thing up. Yeah. But it sounds an awful like awful lot like the art world. You know, yeah, I was gonna sound like same shit goes NFT and crypto, by which I always assume is money laundering, like rich criminals doing stuff that's none of my business, making their money clean. I got it right this part. Well, because like you know, like a scheme that'll happen with fine art, right? Is an artist and like or a gallery and a collector will collaborate and say, let's tell people, like let's straight up lie and say you bought this piece for three hundred thousand dollars. We'll sell it to you for a hundred. But then right. you can now say that we're going to now say that this artist's work is around that level and that'll make the other pieces go up, too. And that'll only make your piece rise in value, too. It's like a very similar fucking cynical way of, you know, just artificially pulling, you know, just put, bringing people into a fake world of infinite value. Wow. That's uh, I. I'm assuming that's illegal, but maybe not if it's but like how kind can of standard it practice yeah, it's in like, art world. How much is this painting worth? It's worth however much it makes you feel, man. Like, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> how can you peg that? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It seems like if you were going to do a, like, create a fake sale going for Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Brothers would make the most sense because they are the ones that most people have owned. And so if you want the story to, like, spread as fast as possible and as wide as possible, like, that is the smart thing to do. I I wonder how they got it up to two million or one point five six million. I I don't think it's too egregious to assume that those numbers were complete bullshit. Right. But or we'll, wonder we'll if see. like a check for that amount ever actually changed hands or right. anything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And finally we have some chicken sandwich rankings <laughs> to to report. At long <laughs> last. We're through the Thank rain. We've been just waiting by the uh, news desk for this information to come through. Who won? I can smell it. Mm. Yeah. I don't. So not not a surprise that number one, we got Popeyes. Wait, who is this from? This is from the takeout. Okay. Which I usually trust there. I like that they seem to really like food. Like almost all of their reviews are like an A or a B. And they're like, this is fucking awesome. Like, man. Oh, man. I love this thing. <laughs> it's it's like, when... like a turtle van from yeah. Ninja Turtles. It tastes so good. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Just Homer, the food critic, everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Number one exactly. with a bullet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but so, you know, th- this is fun because they're setting all the, uh, you know, chicken fried chicken sandwich offerings against one another you know there was a big rush 
And or what about Chick-fil-A? Is that on this list? Not that I'm like Chick-fil-A like, hey, is not on there. this list oh, because I think it predated. I think they're saying like oh, they're saying the original since one. people started chasing yeah. the dragon. Okay, got it. Yeah. So Popeye's number one with a bullet. They're like, sorry, we tried to like come up with a different one that would be more surprising, but it's just really good. Yeah, we were there. We were there for that. We know. Yeah, we've seen. We've heard. But two is shocking to me. Hardee's Carl's Jr. What? Did not see that coming. Their sandwiches like always look too, th- like the meat always looks too thick. Like the burger just looks like it's fucking like a giant. Yeah, it looks like puck. a linebacker's forearm. And you're like, oh, <laughs> like, yo, I want to eat that much so chicken unpleasant. in a bite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I and love my curvy chicken sandwich. <laughs> yeah. I, I almost, I love my curvy. I honestly <laughs> almost put. Carl's Jr. as my underrated. I think Carl's Jr. slash Hardee's. I think I need to get up on that. Is, yeah, a lot of people sleep on Carl's Jr. I definitely, I used to get, what's funny, even though I'm like, oh no, I never got their fried chicken sandwiches. I used to eat the Santa Fe chicken sandwich a lot at Carl's Jr. Mm-hmm. And that's like on a wheat bun. That's fucking unheard of for like a sloppy teenager who like wants maximum junk. I'm like, fuck it, man. It even hits, it knocks with the wheat bun too. But I guess they're so what they got the good crunch, they got the good flavor. Yeah. Is it spicy? juicy on the inside? Manages it manages to keep every last bit of its crispy crunch while in transit. The potato bun did exactly what it was supposed to do, held things together, tasted great without being distracting. The I, w- I will say they really love pickles. Like, yeah, there are multiple of these reviews where they're like, ah, I could use more pickles. Uh, the pickles saved it. This one, they're like, but the pickles saved the day in the end. The sandwich really only loses marks because not enough pickles are involved. <laughs> and that's kind of their consensus on other ones. Also, I just love that they refer to it as the chicken's deafening crunch. <laughs> that really makes yeah. me want Popeyes right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> Your gums won't be able to handle that. Shred my gums. <laughs> Dude, wait. So they got, like, oh, the KFC really took a fucking kick in the yeah. fucking ass. KFC Number is seven, seven of ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all had one job and. How the mighty you know, fall. The, they said, and this is not hard for me or anyone who's at KFC to. Imagine the skin separates from the chicken a little too easily, oh, yeah. making it a mess. <laughs> They're social distancing their skin from their chicken right now. Right? <laughs> they always have been. <laughs> Chili's even entered the game and came in at eight, which you would expect Chili's to be able to put something together at a higher price point, but you don't need not one. so. You know, yeah. I feel like you can only class up a fried chicken sandwich so much. Like until yeah. you're going into like ridiculous luxury foods territory. Like if it's really about the fry on it, the batter you use and the pickles and the little sauce. I also think of chilies in a different category than Popeye's, Hardee's, BK. McDonald's. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's more almost like embarrassing than, that they're yeah. even like and chilies, I guess like they shouldn't even be here. Yeah. But they tried and it's really sad and we should talk about it. And then Boston yeah. Market. Oh, Boston Market is the last place. Flavorful pickles, though. Yeah, they give them credit for flavorful pickles and the sandwich staying together, Yo. which is a very low bar. Yeah, that's like that's like some fuck. That's like fucking Spielberg, like watching like a kindergartner's film and just doing like there was like, well, there was a camera that was recording, and right? So that was good for this, and we'll leave it there. Otherwise, a total disaster. Low Burger bar. King was the other big surprise for me, and that it was so. I don't know if you've seen the Burger King chicken sandwich, but it looks like a big piece of like general sow's chicken like it looks like it's just 
oh, a really? bit like dipped in. It's glazed. Yeah, it's a glazed chunk of chicken. But they say it's good. The sauce is apparently more hot than sweet. All right. Well, BK, I guess we'll we'll have it their way. I just, it's just so funny how quickly like the the sandwich the chicken sandwich wars like came and went like because like life just became more complicated and you're like oh yeah do you remember when we we're like oh look at people lining up for Popeyes and now like I feel like I've just firmly landed on that's the best one I've had yeah. the McDonald's one that one's all right but it's still it's not fine. there's not a there's just something about that Popeye I think the only one I've never had is number six zaxby's which i've honestly never heard of that's oh, now zaxby's, my new got that i'm gonna south. seek out zaxby's yeah yeah it's a southern delicacy in the kfc in paris france when i was visiting they had <laughs> a chicken sandwich with hash browns as the buns Ooh. called the stacker so good Oh no. i've never hash seen it as the buns. i've never wow. seen it in the states chicken sandwich hash brown buns yeah what the fuck that sounds like some american shit kfc paris i know and I fully expected, I was like, this is so American. Clearly, I just missed the switchover. And when I head back to the States, this will be at KFC. But no, it was unique to right. the French KFCs. Yeah. Is there any chance that they're doing it out of a sense of like responsibility socially, like not to like kill Americans with this sandwich? It's so good that they're just like, I it mean, was the, the French can handle it. But I always uh, imagine with decisions that chain restaurants make like that, I'm like, potatoes must be cheap this year in France or whatever. Right, it's course, always that. Course. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I guess what, the double down was just, they probably like, look, we fucked around with the double down and that just grossed people out when we replaced <laughs> bread with chicken. Right. And then just put cheese in. But we're still, <laughs> we're still not over replacing stuff with other stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to keep trying. Bad habit, bad habit. KFC, bad habit. fuck bread. That's their, uh, <laughs> that's their motto. Just one way or another. They get the what bread if the bread was here. cheese and the chicken was a potato and the potato was... <laughs> <laughs> what? Just twitching in the corner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Michael, as always, such a pleasure having you, man. Oh, uh, a delight. Where can people uh, find you, follow you, hear you, all that good stuff? Uh, I am a regular contributor to IGN, who you can follow on YouTube. But for the stuff that really inhabits my heart, that sounds grim. I'm over at patreon.com slash small beans or find the Small Beans Podcasting Network on your Apple, iPad, iCast, whatever. <laughs> Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know, search Small Beans is the name of the brand. You got it. One of those casts for your eyes. Yeah. Is there a tweet or any work of social media that you've been enjoying? Absolutely. I was prepped for this. So with complete wherewithal, I chose one of my own tweets, Jack. There you go. And I, I know that's bad form, but I think it makes sense when you consider the content, which is... Sometimes I think my tweets deserve more likes, but then I remember that no tweets deserve any likes. And I stand by that. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I think paradoxically, only that tweet needs to be retweeted to ad infinitum. That's just the only Until no other tweets are liked. Yeah. Yeah. That's the plan. Miles, where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Also, the other show, 420 Day Fiance. Although right now, I don't know, something's going on. Instagram did something to that account. But we're working on trying to figure what that was. Maybe it'll be gone forever. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, But we'll see what happens there. A tweet that I like is from from Andrew T. Uh, And it's just kind of... I don't know. I'm just indicative of where we're at right now. At Andrew T. T. I. He said, "Okay, it actually would be kind of funny if the FDA rejected the Moderna vaccine, though." 
<laughs> no, but nah. I don't know. Pick the favorite. <laughs> yeah, if we're gonna, if we're just gonna laugh it all off, we're gonna just have to laugh at that. I want my booster to be Moderna. I hear, I hear. If you mix them up, if you have like a little fruit punch of uh, vaccines in your arm, it's better. Moderna says. before Pfizer, everyone dies. Uh. <laughs> Pfizer before Moderna. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pfizer before Moderna, you're not gonna return. Uh. Oh no! Oh, uh, bad, bad both ways. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds bad either way. Eat your Popeyes chicken sandwich and get the hell out. <laughs> Some tweets I've been enjoying. Delia Kai tweeted, do you ever leave a social situation and you're just like, mm, that was not my best work. And I only leave social Resonates. situations. Yeah. PJ Evans tweeted, hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville and this is killing a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Zach Sil- Silberberg tweeted, depressed people love to put lol or LMAO at the end of the most psychologically troubling sentence you've ever read in your life. <laughs> and I find that to be true. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Uh, Miles, what song do we think people might enjoy today? This is a, a new artist I've been getting into called Bakar, B-A-K-A-R. And it is called The Mission. And yeah, I think the, I think he's from London, but it's just got like really good. Like it almost feels like a jungle track, um, like the band Jungle. It's got like sort of that fo- kind of, you know, four on the floor. It's, it's got just good rhythm to it. And it's I don't know. I don't know how to say it. It's just it's a great it's a great song to listen to, even though like, you know, the, 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 the content might not be all bubbly. But who's listening to lyrics anyway? We like to nod our heads. Oh, so no. check out Bakar with The Mission. Now I have to go listen to what those lyrics are. The Daily mm-hmm. Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning. Uh, we're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. And then after that, for our live show, go get tickets at momenthouse.com slash the daily zeitgeist. And we will yeah. see y'all there. Uh, all right. Bye. Bye.